turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 24, Proverbs chapter 24, um, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word and glean things from it. I pray that you would bless our time, be glorified, and may we apply what we learn to our lives so that our lives would reflect your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm so thankful for a government that uh, is providing oversight for us. It's doing just exactly what they were supposed to do in Romans chapter 13. It gives praise for good behavior. It's a minister of God, Paul says, and an avenger that brings uh, wrath upon those who practice evil. It's protecting us. And so we're very thankful. We are, are a country that have been blessed with with abundance, and we have abundance of good leaders as well. So thankful for that. And we as believers, we are to um, submit ourselves to that government. It is established by God. And I praise the Lord that we have a government and a structure of government that it has uh, still has good common sense and a, a sense of right and wrong and uh, checks and balances that is built into the, the structure of our government. It's a good form of government that has been handed to us from previous generations that have had to work hard to maintain that government. So we're thankful. We're now in a situation where the government is kind of is stepping in to help. And I appreciate that. And that's, I think, what the government can do at this time. But there's always a danger, isn't there? And we understand that. There's always a danger. I'm glad. I appreciate the opportunity. I understand that they are they're looking out for the economy of the whole, the nation. And, of course, the unemployment rate this week has just skyrocketed higher than than uh, even the Great Depression back in the 30s. And, but it's always a problem when the church or when the government kind of intervenes. Uh, the problem comes when we become too dependent upon the government. The government uh, will never be able to do, folks, what we as families can do and neighbors can do. But the problem is when the government intervenes, many times um, we lose our sense of personal responsibility. Somebody else is taking care of me. Another thing is that uh, the problem, another problem is that in history, history points out that the church always loses when the government begins to, to intervene in people's lives or into the, becomes too intrusive and too big, the, govern, the church always loses. Also, another thing is, is the principle that whoever controls the purse strings controls the behavior. And ultimately, that's the problem. The government doesn't have the business of, of telling the church and people exactly what to do. They do provide oversight, though. I think that also there's, a, there's always that, that uh, danger of becoming a, a one-world government as well. Just power, greedy uh, power-hungry men. 
Now, this is not a political sermon. It's really not even about government. Uh, and the Lord raises governments up and the Lord takes governments down. There's really not a whole lot we can do about it anyway. The real focus of our attention is upon the gospel. So I, I'm not anti-government and uh, uh, I, I'm not against the government by uh, in any way. But I am pro-responsibility, personal responsibility. And I am pro-family. Now, God has a lot to say about family. God established institution. And He has given us institutions that... Um, uh, an institution that will provide more intimate care and oversight and protection even better than the, the federal government can give. And that institution is the family. The family. The government will never be able to love its neighbor as itself. The government will never be able to love its neighbor as the family can. The Bible places a high priority on family. And these two institutions, government and, and family, they work perfectly together in God's mind. In perfect balance. We need to discover what that balance is. We need to, to know that. And as people who have been uh, handed a, a wonderful form of government, we have to be careful. For people that are self-governed and we have fought to establish freedoms of religion and we have uh, placed ourselves under a constitution that is of and by and for the people, we need to be fully aware of what God expects from the government as well as the family. And I, I'm afraid that the church really doesn't know And has a shallow understanding of both institutions. And folks, we dare not give away what has been so graciously handed to us by hard-working generations that have come before. We must put a, a high value, well, a biblical value on the role of the family and the government as well. And I'm afraid that the things that we do now could have eternal um, and spiritual lasting um, consequences. So I think we have to tread very carefully, very lightly, especially in an age where the family is kind of being overshadowed by the government and kind of downplayed by society. And uh, we take... Uh, and it, it's, not, uh, it's not really valued as much as it should be. And I believe the real danger comes when the church doesn't realize the value of the family and the roles and the responsibilities that the family is to, to play. I think the church many times is so self-focused that it's not even aware of those things. And we must keep a biblical perspective. We must keep a biblical priority on the family. Um, now, to do that, I want to turn our attention to this passage. This passage in the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, the focus is upon the family. Now, I want to make some observations about the text. 
First of all, I want you to see that there's, there's three parallel statements. These statements, they're similar in meaning, but there's different words that they use. But when you pull them all together, it shapes for us a, a single purpose and a, me, a meaning, a certain meaning. And the focus of that, this three, two verses, is a house. He says, by wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, its rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, you notice that the focus is house. We would interpret this to be a literal house. And it's, it's building and it's being established and it's being filled. And those things take work. But they also have to take information. <laughs> You have to know what you're doing. You have to be informed. And I believe that's the key because that's, the again, a repeated idea, a repeated word here is information. It's wisdom. Wisdom, that's the broad, broader term. It's the overall purpose of the building, the use, its function. What's it going to be used for? And then you have understanding, the word understanding. That's the, the logical planning of it. The, the materials that are going to be used, the, the manpower, the skill that's going to take. And then you have the knowledge. That's feet on the ground. That's practical working out. How is it going to be done? Who's going to do what? And then that's the application of, of the wisdom. And you have to have all three. If you're going to build a house, you have to have wisdom, you have to have understanding, and you have to have knowledge. If you don't, then when it comes down to it... Your house is, the foundation is going to crack. The walls are not going to be level. The roof is going to leak. You're going to have problems with that house. And that house is not going to serve you in the way that it should serve you, especially when the rains come and the house leaks. Now, we interpret this literally. But we all know that he's talking about more than just building a house. Solomon is is using the term house like um, like Joshua did in Joshua chapter 24 when he says, as for me and my house, I we will serve the Lord. Joshua is not just saying I'm going to put my house on wheels and wherever the Lord takes, I'm going to follow him. No, that's not it at all. We know he's talking about the family establishing the family and establishing a family and building a, a family takes work it takes information and if you don't have that right information there's going to be flaws there's going to be uh, uh, your your house your foundation can crumble there's going to be um, it, it, the house is the family's not going to be useful and it's not going to serve us in the time of of pressure and when we need it most and, and it's a danger we have to build. And that building has to be by information. So here's the principle. Believers should be building strong families with wisdom, understanding, knowledge in order to be ready to be useful for the Lord. We need to be focused on those things, especially now. I believe this is a prime uh, time for us to be building our families, investing in families, and becoming strong. And then the question becomes is, how do you do that? How do you do that? And we want to 
uh, start here, and I, I want this sermon kind of to be a reminder for all of us to the, the importance of the family. And there's a couple of principles that I want us to, to look at. First of all, here's the first principle. The importance of the family. The, the family is to be the primary building block for the community and the nation. That's by God's design. God's designed the family to be the primary building block for the community and the nation. He did not build the government to be that building block. He built the family, designed the family. Now, for this, to understand this, I want us to turn back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 24. I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. This is a familiar passage. You you know this verse. It says this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, Adam and Eve, they didn't have parents. They weren't leaving anyone. He's saying this for our good. The principle is that you've got a man and a woman clinging together, joining together, and they become one. They function as one. The family is designed to be a unit that is mutually dependent and caring for one another. That's what we see here. This is, um, they, they live together as one. They function as a unit. As we might uh, say, like a, a two Legos being put together. They, they then can be used to build things. You can construct things. And God started society with the family, with the intimacy and the care and the mutual dependent relationship of the family, of the, of the husband and wife. Now, I want you to see this. Go back to Genesis 1, verse 26, because I think this goes hand in hand with God's overall plan. And the Lord God said... Let us make man, verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule. Now, there's a couple of purposes here. First of all, we see that man is in the image of God. We're image bearers of God, image bearers of the invisible God. So it can be seen, it can be demonstrated. This is what God is like. Image bearers of God. We are to do that as a a family, a man and a wife together. They were to be image bearers of God. Number two, another thing that we see a purpose here is that they were to rule. They were to have dominion over. Uh, They were to oversee, to manage, to, to help make productive. And then one more purpose in verse 28 God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over it. They were to scatter. They were to to uh, be transported all over this globe. And again, I think that points to the building block. That is the, the primary building block of the society is that family And then we see that uh, when it comes to Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, that they were scattered and God divided the nations into family groups or divided the peoples into family groups, the scattering of that. Uh, And we see that laid out in the table of nations in chapter 11. 
And then chapter 12, we see something interesting too. That God chose Abraham, one man and one woman, Abraham and Sarah. And out of that, the rest of the world is going to be blessed. And he was going to build, essentially, a spiritual family. Now, the family unit, folks, cannot be improved upon. It will never be outgrown. It's never going to go out of fashion. It's designed by God. Now, the attitude seems to be today that the government can take care of us better than the family can take care of us. But, folks, it can't. Not, it's not as well as a mutually dependent family and caring, loving family because that's the way God has designed it. Now, the government has its role, and I believe it's playing its role well, and it, and it will help us, but the primary burden is on the family. Now, we can compare it to Legos. I used a, a little Lego. You, you put one Lego together, and you can build a beautiful ship if you keep putting Legos in And uh, you, you've seen pictures. I've never been able to do that. It takes some skill to do that. But there's still Legos. It can be a beautiful picture of a, a ship, but that picture is not going to weather the storm of the, of the ocean. It's not a ship. It's still just Legos. We have to keep those, that perspective in mind. The, that uh, the primary building block is the family. Another thing that we need to notice is that the function of the family is to be a blessing to the rest of the world. The function of the family, the way it operates, is to be the blessing of the world. Now, Let's go back to our Proverbs passage, Proverbs chapter 24. This is a a house here that's being built, a family that's being built in the analogy. It's a family, Uh, but it's represented by a house. Man is not designed to to live out in in the open. God didn't put fur on us um, like he did the animals. We might be able to live in tents for a while, maybe a cave for a while. Those are rough on us. We're designed to be in a shelter. We need the protection of a house. We need the protection of a a family. And we see that uh, design laid out in the book of Proverbs for us. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to summarize some of the ideas. The family uh, is built upon the husband and the wife. The man, if he finds a wife, he finds a a good thing, a helper that is suitable for him. And that title of being a husband, that's a place of respect and a, uh, a title of respect. And the woman who is a wife is, it's in, he's in, she's in a place of honor. Proverbs chapter 31 honors uh, the, the wife above everything else. And everyone rises up and, and calls her blessed for the good that she does. She's recognized for that. Those two in that loving relationship, that functioning together, that love for one another begins to flow out. It flows out. And it benefits then the neighbors and it benefits the friends and they begin to take other people along with them and and it begins to be a a help to the the whole of the community and and everyone else involved the young men in the house they have strength 
And they're combined with the older men in the house. And this is just, again, a picture from the book of Proverbs. The older men have the wisdom and the combination of those two things come together where? In the house. In the house. And you can do a whole lot of good with wisdom and strength coming together. In a, a loving environment where where the love is so great there that it overflows and it becomes beneficial to everybody around. And we see the function of the family and the rest of Scripture that it's, it's um, there to provide. Uh, the husband is to provide and, and protect and to teach and to train up. And uh, the women have their role in a mutually dependent on each other. Now, men, men, you go out to work and you're going to have to work hard. And I'm afraid that it's going to be harder and harder now with the unemployment rate, the things, uh, the economy is just kind of uncertain. It's going to be harder and harder. But your primary role, you're bringing um, uh, things into the family. You're bringing the finances into the family. But your primary role is beyond just finances. Your primary role is is bigger. It's a, a much greater accomplishment. You're building into that family. You're teaching. You're pouring yourself in and discipling that. You're building a next generation. And you're bringing others along with you. Women, you have the, the chance. And what you are doing, you have a, a great opportunity in what you are doing now. Many of you have given up dreams very gifted and, and God-given talents and abilities you've, you've kind of set on the shelf for a higher purpose, for a higher calling. And that is to pour into this family and make this family a loving unit. And that's what you're doing. And I see that. It's a wonderful thing. And there's going to be benefits. And you're teaching that those children to be mutually dependent and caring for one another and loving one another and and even loving our neighbor as ourselves. And we see that to the glory of God and both together you're building a next generation that will glorify and honor God to the rest of the world. And so the bigger picture, you may see yourself just in that house in that house, just functioning. Nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to notice. But folks, it is an important task that you are doing. It's bigger than what you think. Bigger than yourself. The purpose of the family is to provide a, a safe haven for each other that becomes a blessing to the rest of the community and a blessing to others. And there's one last thing I want you to see here. And this is, the family's a spiritual picture. It's a spiritual picture. Now, this is amazing to me. When you look at the rest of Scripture, you see the intimacy and the caring and the loving relationship within the family as a, as a picture of a few things, as a picture of the Godhead itself, the Trinity. You have the, the Father and Son, and, and that dis, depicts a, a loving relationship that we all want to be a part of. I want to be a part of that, the Trinity. And then you also have the picture of, of Christ and His church, the, the husband and the bride. Wonderful picture there that people want to be a part of. And then you have the, the household of God, Paul says in First Timothy chapter 3. 
the household of God. We as believers are part of that household of God. And Christ Himself, being the Son, comes down and He dies for His family, His adopted family, and we are adopted into that household. A beautiful picture. A beautiful picture that people want to be a part of that. Folks, it's a microcosm. The family is a microcosm of of the bigger picture of the spiritual family that we are part of. And it's a demonstration. The family is a demonstration of the world. It's a building block for society that overflows to be a blessing to so many people. But it's also a picture. And it, and it should build up a, a, an expectation and a desire for the world to be in that family. And an example to the world of what it is like to be in Christ, in the household of God, the hope and the love and the way of life that is demonstrated. There can be loving leadership. There can be mutual and voluntary submission. There can be the function of roles of as the children do chores. When we come together, folks, it can be a beautiful thing as a family. And the world, they they begin to see it. This is the way things are to function. This is the way things are to be. I want to be a part of that. And it brings joy. And it brings contentment. And it brings fulfillment. My wife and I are, are... in that stage of life where our children are now being sent out and are being a blessing to the world, at least we, we hope so. They're being sent out and we're evaluating that. We're looking at that and saying, you know, we really could have been stronger in this area and we, we should have done this and we should have done that. But also we look at it and we say, man, it's just, what a joy. What a joy. We, we see our children, they're going out and being building blocks for the rest of society. Now listen. I know it's a little cheesy. Hallmark tries to do this. But it, it winds up looking a little fake, a, a little um, uh, uh, sappy maybe. And it's kind of hard to take. But you know what? They're trying. And it's a beautiful picture. And hopefully it's an attraction. Your family's an attraction to the rest of the world. That this is what life can be like. And that life is only found in Christ Jesus. Not just in the family, but in Christ. There must be a placing of a priority, though, on the family. Um, I heard this statement the other day, and it really disturbed me. Just, why would you saddle that young man with a wife? Right now, it seems like everything's against uh, the, the men and women being together or coming together as man and wife. It, it seems that they're being pulled apart. Don't, don't do that. It's, it's too hard on them. But that's just the opposite of what you see in Scripture. We have a high view of family. We should, at least. The church should have a high view of family. The family it becomes the, the building block of society and a blessing to the rest of society. Number two, another thing that I want you to notice about this passage, that, that the, the, 
the house is a, a place of intimacy and blessing. But the family, the house, uh, must be built upon the foundation of God's Word. And it must be decorated with beauty of godly character. The beauty of godly character. Now, I want you to see this. And the question then is, how do we build this house? How do we build a family? Well, go back to our text. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, is established. By knowledge. And right there is your key, right? Wisdom, understanding, and, and knowledge. And those things have to be turned into. Now, these are, this is, understand this. This is wisdom from God. This is God's understanding. This is the, the knowledge that we find from God's Word. Those things must turn into or be turned into, folks, conviction. Things that are hard. Things that will not change. Building materials that I will believe and I will build my life upon and I will not, I will not shake from these things. So what are we talking about here? Theology. An under proper understanding of God, a God who does not change, building upon the, the knowledge of God's word, spiritual truth, spiritual principles, truths of of Christ, stories of, of faithfulness, God's faithfulness to us. Those things do not change. That's information that we need to build a, the right family. You build those things, those things that are solid. They become the foundation of your house. They become the structure for your house. The walls, the flooring, the beams, the the roof of your house. You don't start with paint, right? You don't start with hanging pictures or buying tables and chairs or beds. No, you have to start with the the solid things, the, the things that will not move. And that is a proper understanding of wisdom and God's wisdom and God's understanding and God's knowledge. That's where you have to start. And those things have to become convictions. Beliefs. Not just on a, on a piece of paper. Yeah, I sign, I believe that. No, convictions within the life. This is the way I will live my life. I will build my house. That's what Solomon, or that's what uh, Joshua meant. He says when um, I will build, I will um as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He is building upon a set of certain uh, uh, convictions that he has. Those convictions then translate into building materials of loving authority and submission, voluntary submission and, and roles and responsibilities of the family and routines of daily routines and weekly and monthly routines, habits that are tied to Scripture. This is a picture of giving structure to our life. Rather than following our ever-changing heart of likes and dislikes that are, that are going to be, uh, by the next morning, they're going to be changed. This, this kind of understanding and wisdom and knowledge becomes the very anchor for the sh- uh, like an anchor for the ship. It becomes the foundation for the house. It becomes the, the skeleton for the, the body, the north for the compass, the, the gravity for the plumb bob. It becomes the, the frame for the car. Those things that do not move, that structure. 
So men, let me just apply this to you. Men, you have the responsibility to make sure that the structure of your house is sound. Now, not the physical building. The structure of your family is sound. It's on solid theology. And you're functioning in light of that. So you become then an overseer. You become a a maintainer and a manager of that house. That's the kind of leadership that Paul is talking about in 1 Timothy chapter 3. He says uh, overseer must um, must be able to manage his own household well. That's the idea of, of leadership. Not this dictator that is using anger and brute force to get things done. No, we are a manager to make sure. An overseer to make sure that we're building with the proper solid materials. Why are marriages falling apart today? I believe because they're built upon so many foolish, silly things. Like tradition. That's not going to get you anywhere. You you could try to build it on tradition. And that will get you for a little while. But it's not going to last. You can build it on finances. You can build it on these feelings of love. But those things will change, folks. God's proper understanding of God, theology, scripture. Those things will not change. Now let me just throw this out too. These are biblical principles. You cannot, you cannot just take biblical principles and throw them to the world and expect them to work. They have to, they will work, they will work, but they will work when it, the heart has been changed. The heart has, has to be changed first. You have to have a heart for God. You have to genuinely believe these things. And that's where marriage begins to fall apart because those things are not really the building materials, the building blocks. So the question is, are you building building your house upon these things? Are you using the proper materials? Let me give you one last principle. One last principle. And that is just the beautification of the house. Um, verse 4. And by knowledge, its rooms, the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. Just beauty. It just becomes beautiful. Um, I had the privilege of going down with my youth group when I was youth pastor in Mexico. And, and we built a house. We took the materials down. We, we built a house. This house was built actually upon uh, in the, uh, uh, the landfill outside of uh, Tijuana. And uh, it, was, it was just a structure. Just a very, very basic house. Forty by forty. Just a room, really. We put some windows in and a door in, but just a structure. There's no beauty to that house at all. You can live in it, but very not very pleasant for our standards today. Beauty here comes from precious things being in the house, pleasant things being in the house. What is that talking about? That's the character of this family. That, that's honesty, that's courage, that's loyalty, trusting, that's faithfulness of the family. I want you to see this in, in the passage that was read for us earlier, Titus chapter 2. And it's just such a beautiful picture. I, I have to go back and, and read this. Titus chapter 2. And I, I'm just going to read the pertinent parts. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior. 
not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Now, I believe that's the key, folks. Teaching what is good. That's good from God's standpoint. Um, Those are the pleasant things in the house. Those are the precious things in the house. That good character that's transferred from one generation to the next generation, from the older women to the younger women, they're to teach that and to teach what is, teach their, that the younger men, women may love their husbands. The word love there is not the agape love that you would expect. This is the, the phileo love, the familial kind of love that has to be built in. You think, oh, that comes naturally. No, you build that in. That becomes the thing of beauty. Within the house. It's grace. Self-sacrifice. It's joy. It's the fruit of the spirits. It's doing good for one another. Sharing. Those things have to be built in. They have to be by knowledge. The house is filled with those things. And other people are blessed. Now beauty is important. Beauty is important. It adds value. It adds attractiveness. It's, it becomes the standard. Oh, I could build my house even more beautiful. And that's a good thing. It also points to God's design. It points to God's design. We live in a day where beauty is not really appreciated. Beauty within the family is not really appreciated. It's kind of snickered at. We watch, uh, watch, um, uh, Hallmark and, and we think how fakey, you know, and we see a family together and we think, oh, that's very shallow and they're just pretending to love one another. There's no real joy there. That is not true about the biblical family. You ever been to the Biltmore house? I'm amazed when I go down there. It's amazing. Or Monticello over in Virginia. The things in that house are just beautiful. They add the value to the house. Women, let me just focus on you. You have the privilege of building love and things of beauty in that house. You have the opportunity to build into that house what is good. How do you know what is good? You ask the older generation. You say, you tell me, help me to build into that. How did you build in love into your house, into your home? How do you help your children to love one another and and love the neighbor as themselves? It takes the structure and building materials of the Word of God and it takes the character that becomes the beautiful elements of the house and then you have a home. Then you have a place that's pleasant for all. And it becomes a place, a a haven, a safe haven, but also a blessing to the rest of the world. Believers, we we should be working on these kinds of families. Strong families with understanding, wisdom, and knowledge in order to be able to be used by the Lord where He plants us. Now, we live in a day where families are going to be stretched. With this coronavirus, it's hard. It can be hard for all of us. We're going to be overshadowed by the government. The government's going to step in. We can be overlooked by the society. I think we're going to be watered down. The family's going to be watered down by the church. They really don't know the proper function of the family. 
But society, some point, is going to need strong families, folks. And we have an opportunity as families, individual families, that you're confined to your home, you're confined to your families. I hope you're building now so that your family can be a thing of beauty and of value and a blessing to the rest of the world. The government's not the answer. Oh, it can help. It's doing a good job. But folks, I'm going to put my stock in the family. I think that's more important. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you for the privilege of being able to handle your word. Lord, we've just looked at this brief little analogy of a house. The preciousness, the intimacy of of a house. And and how it just represents the beauty of the family. Lord, may our families, may the families of Daniel's Bible Church be a thing of beauty. And then, Lord, may we be functional. May we be a help to the community. Wherever you send us, whatever you have us to do, I pray that the families would rise up and, and be able to help. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.